give ourselves the opportunity to accept things that in the past we couldn't accept. We're grateful to raise our vibration up so that we can receive things that before we didn't feel worthy of. We're grateful to raise our vibration Join together in this holy instant. For a holy purpose. Grateful that this is the time for us to remember to laugh. We're helping each other to remember to laugh. To be grateful for everything harvest the learning from it. So grateful to give up the habit of repeating the past and instead to cultivate the ability to rejoice in this moment. So we're grateful for things just as they are. Knowing that we are so loved to dedicate ourselves to being truly helpful, to allowing ourselves to rest in the awareness that we will be shown, we will be told, we will be led and guided to everything that is ours to say or do. We're willing to see Gratitude as we come together 
From your sessions last night, I'll focus on that for now. Uh, in your sessions last night, aha, insight, breakdown, breakthrough, canning. Um, I realized that um, I was afraid of leaving my family behind. Yeah. That was my fear. Sure. But. I was able to see, though, that I'm not leaving them behind because you always say all birds rise on this high. That's right. I rise, they'll rise. And I'm already seeing that. And I don't know why I had to fear, but <coughs> it doesn't matter. I uncovered it and realized it and could see the truth in it. Immediately, I mean, almost immediately, it was just kind of like, oh, 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 I just laugh at myself a little bit. Who else can relate to that? I was enmeshed with them. And now I don't feel as close to them like that. What I do feel is that I love them fully now. I don't walk around resenting them or angry with them or confused about them. And I'm also not looking for them to make me happy or to fill me up or do things like that. And so I have a healthy relationship.
where sometimes they're mad at me because I'm not upset about things, and then at other times they're really grateful I can talk now on the block. And that's relationships, you know, it goes like that. And I think what they all feel now is that I really love them. I really love them and I really <coughs> I was constantly rejecting them before. They weren't meeting my needs. They weren't getting what I wanted them to get. Because it was codependent. Mm-hmm. So I relate to yeah. that more in the past because I, I took a separation from my family, um, a physical separation for a number of years and they've only really in the last 10 years been back in my life so it's been a up until the last few months uh, I've, I've kept up a, a distance you know with them and uh, kept them at arm's length um, but since doing this work, I've been allowing them back in and opening up my heart to them being my my brothers and sisters, not even thinking about the biological part anymore. Right. And even seeing my mom that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the discussion we had yesterday about the masculine energy trying to wants to make everybody happy. I realized I was that for my mom and for my younger brothers and sisters and for my partners, you know. A lot of stuff yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how if we release It's loud in it. It's okay. very loud. Thank I'll you. Just it it's too much for me. It's bothering me. And I'm just going to take a second. I want to double check that my radio show uploads have been.
just to go on for a second. Yeah. Thank you. So, other ahas, insights, breakdowns, breakthroughs from your session last night? Insights? It's a big part of my uh, somehow it's me refusing to accept uh, spirituality for me. Like there's part of me which is still refusing. It's coming from my uh, from a family story, from my ancestors. And so we walked through this uh, yesterday in the session. And uh, this morning I woke up. Uh, it's like a breeze, you know, I just go out and I feel, it feels like homecoming. I just feel it's homecoming in terms of immediateness, like not geographically. I just feel at home. And I go and I suddenly notice that this forest, a uh, forest around us, is just like, it feels like the forest that I had in my native town. And there were squirrels, I saw three squirrels today. <laughs> uh, I didn't see them before. And now I see them, and also that they're there. And it just feels so home. And uh, so that's a message. And a very, very deep feeling coming home. And that, that feeling of home in your heart, in your mind, It really comes from self-acceptance. So in in your sessions, did you come to any realizations of more self-love or self-acceptance? Yes. That was a question that was being, as I already mentioned, that part of me refused to accept my calling. And I just realized that it came from the fact that uh, in my, like, starting from my grandmother, approximately, uh, the women in my family just just played this role. Uh, they, were, they were strong women, you know, they, and they did everything on their own. And I felt that I didn't, and I, like, I failed because I had to ask for help. And that's my judgment against myself. And then through this process yesterday that I really, I really could release it, and I realized that I really failed. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the opposite. You know, I just opened something for my family which was always there. It was just uh, somehow refused. I don't even know. And that all of these women, although they, on the, the appearance, they played the role of being independent and strong and completely um, refusing God, they were still connected very deeply to God. All of them. 
even my grandma. And this, and I just feel this kind of thing. Because my great grandmother was very spiritual, and then my grandmother just in that in her appearance, and I know that it was only that she was like that. And I just, it just, just kind of so it just coming in my heart. This it's like coming from me. And I also had a realization that I I never did it, that I probably should like. Pray for my ancestors. Yes, yes, definitely. Pray for your ancestors. Because I always pray for my children, for myself, for people around me. But I never saw that they need to. I could win. 
So you had a vision for me. So there was a moment when I realized that as I was looking at the cost of my judgment and really starting to let them all go, I realized that I was doing this work for my ancestors. And that actually my ancestors, I could liberate them through my spiritual process, through my awakening, I could liberate my ancestors. And I realized that they had given me a gift. It took me a while to realize that, but they gave me a gift because this is my life's work. And I'm so glad for it. I don't resent it at all anymore. You know, it's like someone who's raised by a bunch of drunks deciding, Becoming then someone who's able to write books. I'm happy to come to sober and seen an alcoholic and all of that. It's the same thing. And the other thing I realized is I am my ancestors. I am my ancestors. And space and time are an illusion. And really, when we pray for our ancestors, Exactly what realization is to all of us. She was really pulverized by it. And that the, the two realizations we have pulverization and that I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's what true forgiveness is. And instead of being resentful for what your ancestors gave you, you now are grateful. I, I could do that. 
I don't know how yet. I have no idea how, and I wasn't super willing last night, but I just, this morning it really came. Because yesterday, during the session, it was not at all a session of what I was doing with Carl, but I had this picture in my head, and I was like, it's coming and coming, and said, well, you know what, <laughs> I have to tell you this, I don't know what it is, but it keeps, <laughs> so I told her, which has nothing to do with the topic, right? I was so resistant to it, I was like, <laughs> and I, was like I am never standing in front of my dad and telling him, I just need a hug. Like no effing way. <laughs> and I had this would picture. I ever do that in this world that he lived in? Because that's not his world. But why can't it be his world? But this morning, I yeah, I that idea seems more amusing. It doesn't seem <laughs> like I'm super annoyed about it. Like why? Why is that telling me? And I was like, you do what you want with this picture, but I have to tell you this, you know, because it's like, and she was speaking, and, she's like, and this picture like coming to my mind, I was like, okay, you have to tell her this. Like before it felt really awkward and horrible and like they would react in some weird, awkward, horrible way. <laughs> now it's just kind of amusing. <laughs> so hopefully that'll shift into something more. And just the girls, right? <laughs> Even though I'm 
I'm highly emotional, like I always was. So when I get into that mode, um, I just kind of stuck there because I'm just like, I don't, I'm just going to re reflect back with apathy and just, I'd rather be apathetic to then like angry and annoyed with Elena for, um, you know, suggesting this because it's, that's just easier. Like it's, I think it's easier for him too. So you mirror it. Yeah, but it's not my true self. Like, I mean, regardless of whether he has Asperger's or not, and empathy skills or not, like I get caught up in that idea, and I'm like, well, I know that he does unconditionally love me. He just, his actions are just on the complete opposite side of the spectrum of mind and people like us, <laughs> um, and that's okay, so it's okay, I mean, I can love him anyway, and he can love in his way, and they don't, you know, it's, it's okay that they never hugged me or said I love you or kissed me, like it, because of what I be here right now. And it's also okay to feel sad about it and hurt and feel it's okay to feel whatever you feel about it. So that that sort of teaching for a lot of us is to in order for most so many abused children <laughs> the last five years that I I feel guilty when I think of it as a trauma like I don't like to talk about it because I always feel like what is my experience compared to everyone else's like that's insignificant like I have food on the table I play sports they you know they did the things <laughs> so yeah there's always that too so maybe part of your journey they don't live in the emotional spiritual world that I do, they are in complete denial about how that's affected them. Mm -hmm. And this is my life's work to talk about this 
So forgiving them for that is crucial because I forgive them for the way they raised me because they had a way more horrible version of that. Like horrible. Like just neglect, you know. And um, they were doing an incredible job under those because like I had been gone in Oregon and then I moved back to New York and it all came up in this last year because I, when I split with my fiance, I, it was all like, it erupted because I had to move in with them and then all this black mold was found and it just kept erupting and I kept um, re-experiencing it. Um, and yeah, it's so interesting, like they, because, okay, so they raised foster kids. I have foster siblings, like, from the age of 12 on, with kids in the house all the time. And those kids, compared to those kids' experiences, my parents were saints. And that also brings up the guilt, because it's like, who am I? Compared to these children, they talk about, as adults, like, they'd be like, remember them like they were great they took us out to ice cream and they you know did all the things uh, and I, wonderful people in my community like my mom also has dedicated her entire life to serving kids like she cannot function around kids kind of like <laughs> or not she can't function not around kids um, she works with them she yeah grateful for that for that experience too. For being around all those kids and yeah. and those two children have the same parents. My brother That's interesting too because the way that my the way that my parents parent me, okay, so I'm pansexual and transgender, and they see me as a woman. I see myself as a teenage boy, that's my true self. I love being a woman though, I I don't care how people see me. But my parents are so rigid in the gender roles that if I act and respond and interact with them in the way my brothers do. They, they actually perceive it as disrespectful or uh, selfish when if my brother did the exact same thing, they would have no reaction. My mom wouldn't judge it, my dad wouldn't experience it as disrespectful because a woman is supposed to be polite and a woman is um, you know, supposed to smile at her dad and all these things, right? No, I, I'm acting the same way as my brother and he has no issues with it. <laughs> So that comes up a lot too. Mm -hmm. And they don't, yeah, they don't look 
like you're forgiven for that too because it's like that feeling like they, they're denying my soul, my true self when they don't do that, that stuff. This is one of the most challenging pieces that we have to deal with is that when our loved ones are not able to see us, not able to recognize us, that all they can see is their own reflection. And for us to recognize what is their Most common thing is to judge the judger. But the only way to transform the judger is to love the judger. And in the radio show today, I was talking about special love relationships. So, who is not really familiar with? Child of the 
That's the foundation of the special relationship. What are some of the assumptions there besides life in the storm? What are some of the other assumptions that just naturally go with it? I'm weak, I cannot survive on my own. I'm weak, I cannot survive on my own. So that I'd rather rely on my partner than on God. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went through this process over the last six months. Yeah. A lot of thinking and yeah. So why would you rather rely on your partner than on God? Because I do not trust that God can provide for me and support me. And when I started opening to it, I just realized that. Can build a relationship on any basis. So I had this power to stand there and to not be afraid anymore, not be frightened anymore by the eventual end of this relationship, mm -hmm. which was actually breaking our true codependency. Because I realized that there is that I am supported and I am provided no matter what. That's it. The special relationship is really an attack on God. Yes. I can't trust God, so I'm going to put my trust in this person. The world that God made is a storm. The only way to protect myself against it is to find somebody who's going to be my shelter against the storm. And I project on this person all of the attributes that you have got. Right. Because if this person is not there anymore, then that's it. Right. So let's just role play this for a minute, okay? So I need two volunteers. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm going to invite you to, to stand up in front of us here. You need to stand right here. I'm going to go over here. So, um, let's see, one of you is the more dependent one in terms of needing and wanting and craving. And one is more than providing. <laughs> uh, raise your hand first. <laughs> so you're going to be more the, the giver, the provider. Okay? So, yeah, I'm going to invite you to just stand a little bit closer together. I know it's threatening. <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> So, Megan, uh, 
just I'm going to invite you to both to just stay focused on each other for a little bit here. And so, Megan, let's say you were going to be really transparent, all right, and you were going to say exactly what's what, and what is it that you would like, and, and you can, you know, uh, we can also help them out. What, what is it that you need and you want from your partner here? What are some of the needs that you have that... Um, you see me like no one else has ever seen me before because of me. Without you, I wouldn't be this person I see you as. And you make me feel just you love me in a way that I've never been loved before. What are some other needs that the ego has that what tries to get from that special feel relationship? Hmm? Feel safe. You make me feel safe in this world. Be complete now. I'm sweet. <laughs> I need you to hold. I need you to go everywhere and do everything just for free. I can't make, I can't make decisions without you. <laughs> I need you to stop having any other friendships. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why aren't you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good thing. You I don't want her to have any other friendships because, because I believe we can use it's the two of us against the world. You know, we are so special together, we're so unique, we are just the most unique, and just for that, no one else in the world knows what it's like to be in this relationship. And together we can make it amazing. And maybe let somebody else stop it. <laughs> I want to be touched and cuddled all the time. <laughs> You're the only one I want near me. Everyone else feels like they have to make it scary and no one can go near it, but it's you versus most of me. I want to know what I'm thinking most of the time. <laughs> I want to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> you completely understand me. You completely get me. You get me like no one else ever has and ever will. You're going to stay with me forever. <laughs> 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 you, ne 
so much I want to know everything there is to know about you. <laughs> I want all your passports. <laughs> your iPad, your computer, your email. <laughs> dress to, to be the most attractive to me. I know how you should dress. Yeah, <laughs> Wear makeup. <laughs> Who are they? And I want to see their pictures. <laughs> feel so good to know you never felt this way before about anybody in this room. Tell me again how hard it is to be in your Yes, go ahead now, Helena's turn. Loves everything about you, though. Down here, you know, 
<laughs> you feel like a stalker. <laughs> Why would you want to get space from complete and total unconditional love? She is 100% interested in everything you say and do and think and feel. Well, well, where's the limit? Her love is total, complete, unconditional. It's not really unconditional because <laughs> <laughs> But only because it looks better on you than, than what you are. <laughs> what do you mean? Me? I But she knows better than you because she can see you. She can see you all the time. You only see yourself some of the time. But she's always looking at you. <laughs> she just wants to help you. I don't understand. <laughs> but how is total unconditional love and adoration and admiration in any way manipulative? I don't Oh. She's just asking she's, for everything. She's making an idol of, a, of another human being, and then it's just. It what is love? Is Now, here's, let's flip it. So, what if, Megan, you, you can really say, I love you, and if you want to go away, that's fine. If you want to come back, that's fine. If you want to wear sweatpants, that's fine. If you want to wear a sexy dress, that's fine. What, whatever you'd like to do is fine. I really am okay with it. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Right. Now, if you said to your husband, I love you so much that you can go and do whatever you like, you're total freedom, you can come and go as you choose, without expectation or attachment, how would that be? How did he take it? How I do How did he take that? That's great. But now I want you to tell me, do 
because I want to go where I want to go. And I want to I mean, yeah. I would like to feel free. Because it feels strong. Because me, I was in the depression for very long. That was But uh, now, Once I start growing, you can't stop that. I just cried. I said, I can't, I can't stop that. Mm -hmm. And she said, You're like a teenager who's breaking, you know, out of your parents' home. Freedom. And of course, there is anger because she is like senior there. She's not used to it. So there's a process where I'm breaking through it. Yeah, and then I would like to display the freedom. I mean, every day, like, I would like to feel. That I'm not, I mean, I am peaceful. I don't do anything bad or something. I mean, but I just want to, to yeah, I'd like to feel free. And I can relax. And I love to feel free. But just know this is giving each other. Yeah, and most couples and even friends and other kinds of relationships that it's it's usually a, a gradual process of releasing attachments.
it's also so unfamiliar in a certain way because we don't see it modeled in other places. He's losing the the false identity, identity, the false Elena. He is losing her. Well, yeah, and his identity is caught up in being married to the false identity of Elena. So he either has to cling to his false identity, or he has to be willing to let his false identity go. There's just no middle ground. Either that or you decide to be in a relationship with someone who's walking around in a false identity, and that, that doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. He gets his, he gets his. He does. You know the difference between a saint and a That's right. And Two false identities can't love each other. There's no love in there. It's just attachment. Yeah, the, the basement where Mary was like this. Um, when I described ourselves in the past, like we were functioning. We sure. were memory, we just talked, you forgot to eat there, I forgot to eat. Those right. are our conversations. Right. And now this is nine hour home. <laughs> <laughs> and we decided to take weekend off for us, even if it's part of school. But just because we discover each other. We are discovering each other. That's right. You're discovering yourselves together. And yeah. there's this feeling that I, from here, this place, I know this true self. And now my prayer changed to, I want to, I'm willing to see this as know his point, remember his point, not only mine, but see his point. Yes, and it's happening. And everything you're doing here this week, you'll, you're doing with him and for him because your minds are joined. Yeah. That's it. We can learn to see that our partners go off on an exploration and that we reap the benefit because we're joined with them. We're not excluded. We are included because we're joined with them.
like to share? Oh. Yeah, we'll let them sit down. Thank you. <laughs> when Elena said, looking at history south, I remember uh, we have been working on our relationship for the last three and a half years. And um, I remember asking God, how can I love and care for Paul and his dear life as well? And God knew what I meant by staying out of his way, not doing some controlling I asked several times, and one day I was uh, watching, and I heard the answer so crystal clear. I heard him say, I want you to see him as his true self, a unique expression of me, the same way I want you to see yourself here. And that unique expression of God is all the characteristics of God. By looking at him, I see his kindness, and I see his love, and I see his generosity, and his humor, and his smile, and all those characteristics. I can see those no matter who he is. also see that over the past years while I was working a lot of like I I was creating a lot of relationship but what I did not do it was like I wanted always to protect him somehow you know like I was going through a lot of stuff with children and I like allowed myself to to I allowed this transformation to go through me and to transform me but I kind of protected him because you know like our son you know the story, this, 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 that. I took it somehow on myself. And now I don't want to protect him anymore. So I was speaking to him just before coming here. I was just really throwing every, every well, not a, like a position, but really saying. And I saw that he was like, he didn't have, we saw it say, like didn't have um, uh, ground under his feet. He was like trembling, like where I am. And although it was like a little bit, I saw that he was hurting and so on, but I, I also was at the place where I knew that he needs to go through this. That he needs to feel, that's it. She's not there anymore to protect me. And I, I, I know <coughs> that he will find his way. I feel this, I, I trust him fully in this. I know this guy, and, but just I, I have strong feelings that I should not protect him anymore like that. Like to, con yeah, you see, our son has this. I'm praying for him, what are you doing? I don't know what to do anymore, that's my answer. I didn't know what to do. I prayed and, and it was a miracle. Find another answer, try. Try all the doctors of this world. And then, you see, I went through this, through being completely powerless and um, through everything. But he, he, he somehow did not because I protected him. And now I don't want to do this anymore. But he grows as well. 
that's beautiful, Elena. So just seeing how you contributed to a situation that you didn't like. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that you want to break free of. Yeah, because I wanted this artificial peace. Artificial peace. And Kevin, who is my co-facilitator, so he's not speak very close, so he just, he gave me this idea that I had an aversion to conflict. I said, it was, it was, I said like, yeah, that's true. I don't want, I avoid conflict at any price. I don't want, don't want to find myself in a situation of conflict. Right. So I do anything. Right. I don't speak, I don't show myself. I don't tell the truth. I was told some part of my, parts of myself just not to be in conflict with him. And then I allowed myself nine hour long conflict. And it was amazing. When you stop playing by the rules, very upsetting to the other person. <laughs> yes, I, I could see it. I could see that he was really, he was lost. He was lost. He was yeah. like, and he was saying, instead of being abusive with me, like, whole fast, like, it perceived from me. Uh, he was like, I'm hurting. My heart is hurting. I was like, wow. He can, he knows the words. <laughs> he can say it. Instead of saying you was this and that and that, like, accusing, uh, accusing me. He wants you to feel all the Feeling. He was like, I'm hurting, how can you hurt me like that? I said, I see you hurting, but it's not my intention. And uh, nine hours like that. The children in the car. They were good. Anastasia just said afterwards, God, this was long. <laughs> <laughs> I said, we have to go through this. It's necessary, it's good for everyone. And first time in my life, I saw that the conflict is positive. It is good to have. I mean, and to resolve constructive. She helped me last night. She gave me some follow-up advice and involved how I she showed me how I didn't want to speak something because I wanted to avoid appearing You helped me too because I now know my Enneagram of my husband and I, I know why he reacts the way he reacts. It's unbelievable it's all my connection. So sometimes right sometimes ego wants to create is always creating conflict. So uh, essentially conflict comes from, uh, we say that for us spiritual students, we say we want the peace of God, but we're not willing to employ the means necessary to get it, right? or to have it, to get it. So we're, we're in uh, an inner conflict here. One of the most basic conflicts is somebody does something our ego doesn't like, feels threatened, feels upset, and then it blames the other for the upset, right? So it feels wrong. And I just what I was talking about on the radio show today, that then that upset that, let's say, we feel, that we think is caused by the other person, our upset, no matter whether it's sadness, Whatever it's showing up as, that upset is purely to make the other person feel guilty. Purely to make the other person feel guilty. And what the Course says is actually about making God feel guilty for having rejected us. This is one of the things, the, the idea or the truth is that we rejected God, but now we're turning around saying God rejected us. 
God is now repentance. God is now brotherhood. God is now trustworthiness. And so we attack our brothers and sisters with our upsets. Blame them for our upsets instead of getting back to God. So in your situation, you know, where your husband is saying, how can you accept me? Yeah, because I opened my separate bank account, which for him, like, and I just didn't ask him. I basically did. Right. And I told him. And then, of course, that's exactly what you say. I did something that, and he tried to make me feel guilty because he said, I'm hurting, and how could you do this to me? And I was on, on a way to go to the strap because I started feeling it, attacking myself. How can you? Yeah, he, he was really suffering, like eyes and yeah, you can feel it. You could feel it. And then I just stopped myself. I said, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to feel guilty. And this helped to have a conversation on a new level. Because I just refused to go this way. I said, no, I'm not guilty. It's, I'm not doing it to hurt you. That's not my intention. And, uh, and then we could really speak from heart to heart. Because, um, because I didn't go to the guilt. To, 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 to guilt. And to blame and you know, shaming myself for hurting him. Exactly what you said. You said, you said four years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> was, Can we go? It was it was multiple days of nine hours of processing. Uh, <laughs> so that was only first one. Well, you're three years in. <laughs> if it's a four-year process, you're already three years. So I'm a bit like this. Yes. We should get a degree at the end of this. We should. We should. What a diploma. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful that they're in that process. Yeah, exactly. You know, because so much love. yeah, there's there's so much love, and you're in the midst of the the whole thing. You know, some folks, um, you know, might not have that level of cooperation from the other person. They might not be. This level of cooperation doesn't come. I mean, the process, the whole process started way before. There was no cooperation at all. Yeah. But okay. you, can, you can go through a whole new relationship, from a trust relationship to a whole new relationship with people you can speak to, with someone you never speak to, who lives on the other side of the world. And you don't have to do it this way. You don't. I think what, what, one of the things that I got last night is to employ Ho'oponopono on with my relationship, you know, and take it kind of like Dr. Thunen did when he went to the hospital and he took each patient's program and read it and did Ho'oponopono on that from him. And I think that's one of the best places to start with my husband because he separates himself from what I'm doing, and he does shame, blame, all of that. And it, it's not, I can't sit down and say to him, let me open my heart to you, you know, because he's busy, I'm not doing it. So it occurred to me, wow, all these things that I think, I think he is, I am gonna ask forgiveness. For that. Yes. For that. Yes. 
for me, throb generations yeah. in all directions of time and space. Yeah. And may he, all my loved ones, and everybody benefits from it. You know, so, so that's like a new way to go, and it makes me feel really hopeful. I don't know, I didn't think of it before, but. Yeah, well, because your mind flips it into some paradigm, and it's which paradigm? Yeah. I want to just check who these, the, the people on bathroom breaks? Okay, take a look. Yeah, it's real So um, I understand the Japanese system coming from my past of um, fear of abandonment. And um, I know it's directly uh, associated and related to uh, my father's issues, which has a deep rooted nature, um, but it's still a little residual um, kind of aspect that still lingers there. And I feel kind of part of my little being a foil. I still think that it has a lot to do with the religious beliefs that we were indoctrinated with. You know, I have one, I, I just can't get it right. I, I, I'm willing to give it back. You know, and I, I think that, that we see religious figures having been poked or husked or hidden and then being taught that, well, God sacrificed his son, God wanted Abraham to sacrifice his son. You know, um, 
what is this that's being asked of us? And if we go there, will we then be sacrificed? Right. You know, will, will somehow we be killed or burned or that that's and that crosses interdimensional time and space lines, I think, back here. Yeah, and, and, and there's a reason why we hold the crucifixion of Jesus in the, our minds when we do. Because that's how the ego wants to torture us. That's how it's been interpreted in Marxism. So for the purposes of saying, But if we understand really what the crucifixion is for, all of that falls away. So what was the crucifixion really for? Action? To save the world? But how does the crucifixion save the world? Because he was sacrificed for us. How was he sacrificed? He went through all the things that we were going through already for us. Well, if that were true, why are we going through them still? That's a good question. So, what Jesus teaches us in the Course in Miracles is that the crucifixion was for the purpose of proving or the, but it's you can't take the crucifixion on its own you have to have the crucifixion and the resurrection the transfiguration and the resurrection and the ascension you have to have the whole thing so the ascension the resurrection the transfiguration of this physical body all of that wouldn't have been as impactful to his, the people who knew him, his disciples, the, the people he was training, his teachers, had they not witnessed his crucifixion. There's a movie that uh, I think it's worth watching. Uh, I think it's called Risen. And in the story Risen, it's fictional, but it's based on some true events. And in that story, it's about the time, place, this, uh, I forget the, the name of it, but uh, he, he's a, a Roman soldier, of, like a general. And uh, he's given the order to, uh, so Jesus has been up there on the cross for a while. You know, and the crowds were really um, vocal and they're growing and the growing interest in what's going on. And so um, Pilate.
Jesus needed those 40 days in the desert with all the temptations to be certain, be sure of God's love, to you know, all those things. And I'm resonating with what Kevin said, because we look around our world and those who have been outspoken light beings you know, have been martyred, a lot of them. Uh, and so there is a fear of, I mean, I've lived with it, sticking your neck out it's, it's different than the cultural understanding of you know, the ego's understanding of how we are to be with one another. So when we start talking about doesn't need to be that way, we've left the path, we've left the safety of the common understanding of things. And it is, there is a little bit of fear there. And so we need to also spend those 40 days you know, in the desert um, aligning ourselves, being certain, knowing God's love, knowing that we are that light. You know, I, I have had a professional, what felt like crucifixion, um, when I uh, came out to a congregation that I was in a polyamorous relationship with my girlfriend four years ago, and uh, it was New England, and <clears throat> even though it was Unitarian Universalism, which was supposedly this very progressive of all of the Protestant denominations, it was um, incredibly traumatic for them, and it ended up, I had these, we had these two <coughs> all-congregation meetings where they passed a microphone, and people talked about their feelings about my personal life and the fact that I shared it with them, and uh, it ended my ministry. Six weeks later, I was, I was ending my ministry there and, and felt a little like I'd been thrown under the bus by the senior colleague I was working with, and I called those two meetings uh, 
um, public shaming number one and public shaming number two. They were uh, just, it was an unbelievable experience to feel all of this vitriol from somebody who had left the cultural norms behind and you know, moved out of non-monogamy and talked about it with, from the pulpit. Um, and it felt like being betrayed and living out of town. Well, what were they basing that vitriol on? Was it in their, I mean, I have a little sister who is, she's really extremely Christian. And um, my other little sister is gay. And she just married recently. And she just, the one preaches about, you know, the Bible says you're going to hell, it's an abomination. So it wasn't biblically based. It was no. culturally based. It no, was just, this is not done. Community support policy. That's part of the reason that I follow in Oregon for a moment. Well, but but it's the people you're saying it's like the culture of that specific congregation, but that's not, not the general. They'd like to think that they are very supportive until it's in their congregation, it's in their midst, and it's from the pulpit. And then it was, and it wasn't 100% of the people. It was really tumultuous in the congregation. There were a lot of people saying, I thought we were this progressive faith. I don't understand why these other people are so upset. And other people, you know, saying, I thought we were supposed to, you know, revere you. You're the reverend. And, you know, here you're living this life of, you know, whatever. They were projecting all sorts of stuff. So it was, it wasn't biblically based. It was New England based. You know, it wasn't California. You know, I even raised the point that the Unitarian Universalist delegates at their last meeting changed the non-discrimination policy to include family structure, which, you know, but it didn't, that didn't matter. It was too upsetting. So I'm just saying that there is, there is a real fear of when you come into authentic expression and, um, and if it's not normal, as in meets all the norms, they're, you know, you're vulnerable in a way. And I mean, I remember sitting in there while people were, you know, saying all these things about me, projecting, and I, I didn't have a voice, thinking, "Huh, okay, thank you. <laughs> I have not had this experience, and I now know what this experience feels like." And the words, "They know not what they do. They don't understand. This is their projections. Was going through me, and so there was a strengthening, even though I was made to feel vulnerable. It was also this really kind of strengthening, uh, galvanizing kind of experience, being true and authentic and in integrity. Do you want somebody to go outside and ask if you can come here later? You know, that would be great. Well, you know, one of the common things that we seem to be known is that, I mean, I've seen this so many times, so I'm sure you all have as well, that somebody says, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're thinking. I don't like this at all. And if we respond with, You don't understand. And I, you know, 
from where I sit, it's, I, I can see where I can sit. No, I do understand. I understand that you want to in, engage me, being upset with you, and to challenge you. Somehow we're going to argue back and forth, and one of us is going to win and be right. But you're right. You are upset. You're already right. <laughs> And you're right that you think I'm the cause of it. You're right about those things. But I'm not the cause. And I know that. I don't need to be right about it. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but right. if people just, if you don't want to react to their upset, which that's what it feels like to me, Megan, is that they wanted you to react in shame to their upset. Or somehow explain to them that they were missing some clue or something. Mm -hmm. That they were wrong. Mm -hmm. But if you just, you know, and I thought, I mean, I, I've had this experience where I'm like, I don't wish to engage with people in that way. Mm -hmm. And they do want to make you feel bad and guilty and ashamed for upsetting them. That just triggered something for me about my church. And I'm realizing, I've been a member there since 93. I bet we've had 15 ministers because of that kind of stuff. And I think that is part of my reluctance to be all out <coughs> all in rather right. in my church right. well maybe you can bring that up in, in a way that's like so do we want to keep having a new minister every 18 months do we want to establish a strong, strong bond to what would that take? Well, CSL has taken over for the last four years. Yeah. And they've decided what we're going to do. Oh. So we've had one minister for four years. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's the same thing. That minister, and I've seen so many great ministers just mm -hmm. driven out of town. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, and I see in judgmental on my part, I know, but I see the same congregation. It's the same congregation that was there in 1993. Main minister was not a pastoral care minister. Yeah. That was unacceptable. Group of qualifying ministers. Yeah. Yes, I see that with uh, in city, we have city manager form of government. We had a tremendously wonderful progressive city manager, and the same kind of thing like they're great now. I'm going to rope this in back yeah, to okay. this group of yeah. 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 But I, I get that now, that what that hesitation for me is mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. See, and this is one of the things that 
challenging can really heal because when we sit with someone in that unconditionally loving space, then our attachments to the false, they fall away. Just like our attachments to our point of view, our perspective, we say, well, this is right, this is wrong. When it's challenged by love, well, where's the love in that? It's cracked open. We don't have to make our point forcefully or anything like that. But certainly that's not what we do with sitting down with anyone. We're holding a loving space for love to be the healer. So love is the healer. And here's why love is the healer. like there's a in that congregational experience it, it it was and continues to be as I understand it a fairly toxic system um, and that one of the ways I understand what happened is that I mean I preached love all the time I, my current congregation says she's always talking about love um, and it's like that perspective was so jarring that it was unwelcome that I was like expelled 
from that toxic system. That's not And so even in, I'm wondering if that is true with a person who is so disconnected from, who's so mired in their ego selves and not connected to their Holy Spirit self, that these same messages are rejected, you know, or not seen as a threat even to that worldview. The thing is, is if we're demonstrating it, not just talking about it, that's where this shift, this vibrational shift begins. I remember a long time ago, maybe in the 90s, mid-90s, on Oprah, she, I just happened to see Oprah this one day, and there was this young man there who was in his 20s, and he was um, going around
loving them, still caring about them, still respecting their feelings, and still like, why don't you get a food? Go pay for this, I'm gonna relieve this, so we have done, you know? Because I, I mean, personally, while there are many things I've never done, I've been really cruel and unkind to people in my life. I have, I've been vicious. And so, I've had to forgive myself for that. And I can do, I can forgive other people for their stuff. And just not, which means not judging them. Just means not judging them. And then, that one experience <coughs> not being judged opens the door of their heart to not judging themselves again. And then you really have to forgive. And it can be long. So that's a big part of what we That's why it's so important for us and important for them is to be leading them safe with true love, true compassion. And when we come back after lunch, we're, we'll um, talk about this some more. And Paul, one thing for you to think about with your husband and all of us is uh, you said that he goes into So to be able to really, when that coming at you, to be able to re relax in your heart and just say, oh, I'm so sorry for that person. You know, and to not be defensive and say, oh, I'm so sorry. And even just to, to just relax. You know, but the tendency is when you have a history with someone, is to go right into attack them like, that's nothing. You know what you did? You didn't even realize what you did. It's horrible. You know, and, you know, but just to have compassion for that moment. And then tell me more. You know, but if you can't do it from a space of true non-judgment, you can't do it. So, question. So, could we practice so it's so easy for me to experience this in yeah. spiritual counseling and role play. But when I get back to my family, who knows? So I'm wondering if we could practice in dyads like that experience, like with like in a role play format, where like someone's reacting, you know, like the practice not defending and doing a typical ego response. Yeah, you definitely can. And you can do that in your not everybody might resonate with it, but right. yeah, no, that's a great idea. And that's why I had Elena and Heather come up and role play for us. So I, when I'm the client, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if everybody wanted to do that, we could do that too. I, I'm, but I, what I think is really great about is you could. Oh, this is something that would be helpful to me, and you're asking for it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and I was feeling that. That's why I had Megan and Elena do the role play, so we can see it. So it's twelve thirty-one.
So here's what uh, I'm going to give you some homework on your lunch break. Okay. So, um, and we're going to meet back at three. So you can organize your homework however you wish. And they serve lunch until 1.30. They serve lunch until 1.30. Uh, and remember, too, they do have the uh, little shops downstairs underneath the uh, dining hall. So they have the gift shop and everything, and then they also have a little coffee. And, um, oh, and I had the child last night. I didn't because I was too late. I was going to have too much caffeine. Oh, yeah. Um, in, the, in the shop downstairs? Yeah. In the cafe. Yeah. yeah, he made time. Yes. So, with uh, what I'd like you to do is to see if you can pick a new partner, threesome, okay? Three uh, triad. Uh, we'll have three triads and two dyads. And so to pick, try and pick people that you haven't really spent much time with yet. And you're going to share your self-forgiveness letters with them. Now you don't have to read them. You can. Some people really like reading them. That's very helpful to them. Uh, some people might just want to feel more comfortable giving highlights. It's really up to you. It doesn't matter. It's just whatever makes you like you're really doing it. So the idea is for you to read or share what came up during your self-forgiveness exercise from this morning and to discuss it with each other. Okay. So I would say you're going to need a good 45 minutes because you've got a triad and probably you want to And we're going to have two pairs. So again, if you're just going for being with people that you really haven't done any work with, or plus it's fun. You haven't done too much work with anyone. Pretty soon, that I won't be saying that anymore. <laughs> so uh, I'm going. Let's let's pray and bless them. So we take this breath of love and gratitude, so grateful, so thankful that love is our true nature, it's our true identity, it's the very depth and breadth of our being, it is our default setting. We are grateful to continuously partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and to be a blessing, to share a blessing, and to open to receive the blessings known and unknown. We are grateful to bless what we to know it's of the highest vibration it's light to our light body. We receive it with praise and gratitude. We know that it lifts our vibration and it brings more light into our awareness by this high vibration. We bless everyone who needs vitamins to bring that to our table. And we bless Mother Earth for her amazing bounty of goodness, her great
praise and worship. In gratitude, we let it be and so it is. Amen. 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 Amen.